0: I'm sorry, my English is very (laughs) bad. Okay, it's possible. The question in Spanish, please.
1: Live and underway here on ESPN Plus, episode 271. The one where Tuca Ferretti is happy, and so are we. Because Hercules Gomez is back from vacation. My man, great to have you back. And look at the gear you brought.
2: Yes, yes. Christmas in July. Thanks to my good friends Mm -hmm. at uh, Umbro USA. Listen, I asked for the prettiest jerseys in North America. There were some that were sent. Obviously, this is one of the best area from Guate has some of the best jerseys. Mm-hmm. I got an El Salvador one as well. I'm going to wait for a uh, proper time. But I missed you, Seb. I missed you. Believe it or not, I was in Puerto Vallarta. And the people wow. the people watch us in Puerto Vallarta.
1: Wow. Look at that. football Américas of international uh, fame. Great to see you wearing modern uniforms. I got a throwback Colombia here. Uh, Shout out to the Columbia Women's National Team, lighting up the Women's World Cup. We're going to actually have Jeff (laughs) Carlisle. What a player, huh? What a player. We're going to have Jeff Carlisle join us, actually, in just a little bit from New Zealand to talk about the U.S. They're about to play Portugal. It's not a must win, but it's a must get a result for the U.S. Or else, or else the American women who were chasing a three-peak could be going home. Uh, early, we got tons of transfer news to talk about: Yunus Musa, Julian Araujo, Matt Turner, just to name a few. But let's kick off this edition of the show with a tournament that was made for this show: Leagues Cup, MLS versus Liga MX, Match Day Three, last to the group phase. We still got a few games uh, going on as we speak. But let's do this good, bad, ugly style, and we'll start with the good, Los Regios. My oh my, Tigres and Rayados. We'll start with Tigres who got a 1-0 win over San Jose. You saw Fernando Gorriaran. He was the lone goal scorer in that game for Tigres uh, as they won their group, Group A. And then Rayados, what a comeback. They were down 2-0 against Seattle. Six minutes into this game, came back to win 4-2 thanks to a hat-trick from Herman Berterame. Rayados, as a result of this win and a 3-0 win over RSL, they win their group, which is Group B. So, Los Regio Montanos, the big spenders in Mexico, off to a rip roaring start in the League's Cup. Tigres will get Vancouver in the next round. Rayados will get the Timbers in the next round. Both those games on Friday. Herc, between these two teams, who do you think is the better candidate to T- win the League's Cup? Así de fácil. Así de fácil. Tigres, Teletigres regresó. Teletigres is It's not even
2: a Tigres TV thing right here. I, okay. Well, listen. Listen, you have to give Tigres their credit. And when I mean credit, I mean credit. They're the defending champions of Liga MX. They're the Mm -hmm. team that has the history behind them in the last 12 years, if you will, the winningest team in Mexican football. And they just won the championship. They know what it's like in that pressure moment to lift the trophy. Monterrey, what they've Mm. known, Rayados, what they've known over the last few years, if you will, is disappointment. It's having the most star-studded ros- roster, mm-hmm. excuse me, in Mexico, and one of the most star started rosters in Latin America, and choking at the worst possible times. That's what Monterrey knows right now. And I know what you're going to say, and you may be right. Monterrey's got some reinforcements coming through. They've already got a star started roster. They're getting stronger. Canales, yes, he's gonna be there. Mm-hmm. There's some rumors about Mora. He could be there as well, fine they're in preseason mode, they may not even be ready to play come this League's Cup, et cetera, et cetera. Tigres is a team that in all lines, all facets, has playmakers, has winning players, has important players. They've gotten younger, they've gotten better, and under Roberto Dante Siboldi, excuse me, Robert Dante Siboldi, they are that team. You have to respect the defending champions.
1: All right. I'm not picking Tigres. I'm picking Rayados. Not just because I have to disagree with you, but there's some good reasons here as well. One, the Sergio Canales signing, I think, is a big one, right? Rayados, out, they spend between 8 and 10 million euros on a player who's playing with Real Betis. You expect that guy to have an immediate impact. The latest reports are he will be ready Uh, for the knockout game could be available for the knockout game and if he's ready for the round of 32 we assume should they keep advancing he'll have a bigger and bigger impact as the tournament goes on the other reason I'm going with Vrijalos is because Beto in the production meeting producer Beto said I couldn't pick Club América but I know everybody saw what my Club América did to the best team in the Western Conference St. Louis so if I could Pick any team, I would be picking America. But I'll stick to Rayados here. And the final reason, Herc, is form. Recent form. Not just the destruction here of Seattle, which I think is awfully impressive, the destruction as well of RSL. Rayados have not lost going back to last season. So on form, I'm loving Rayados. Now, my one question is how much of that form, specifically the game against Seattle, was bad Seattle cuz I got to get your Sounders TV take here. Uh, we're on the uh, fracaso meter. I'll give you, I'll give you this, Sounders TV just, for your Sounders? just
2: two things. Sergio Canales, they're trying to get their own Ginag. Everybody wants their own Ginag in Liga MX. Mm-hmm. Guess who has their own Ginag? Tigres. And the second one, that form that you're talking about, you've got to go back, I believe more than 11 games to find the last loss for Tigres heading back to last season. They were on a complete roll in playoffs come this season and what they're doing now. Now, Sounders TV. People see the loss, Mm-hmm. And it's an, it's an embarrassing loss to lose that way at home. I don't care if it's against Monterrey. I don't care. If it, who, whoever it may be, it's an embarrassing way to lose. Uh, the Seattle Sounders had to win by three goals. That's why they came out of the gates like that. And in their willingness to open themselves up to create more offensive uh, chances, opportunities, you leave yourself vulnerable at the back. And that's what happened to Seattle. Seattle's playing and Monterrey to their necessities, and Monterey just picked them apart. Bad mm. Seattle, but this has been the Seattle that we've seen pretty much all year, mm. that we've seen since, I want to say, the Club World Cup. You worried? You worried about Sounders when, when MLS regular season kicks back in? I was worried when they let Garth Lagerwey walk away. That's when I started mm. getting worried. He's He was that important to the Seattle Sounders. I don't think Adrian Hanover and the Seattle Sounders knew exactly what life without Garth was going to be like. They're going to get that now, but the Seattle Sounders team is older, they've grown stagnant, uh, complacent, they're used to each other, so Brian Schmetzer mm. is having trouble getting the most out of these players. Injury prone to the worst possible players, important players like Raul Ruiz, Christian Roldan, Jordan Morris over the years, uh, whatever you want to go. This team is no longer that That battle-hardened winning DNA team. It's just a battle-hardened team that's limping around at the moment because they've not been healthy and they've not been good. And the youth coming through that's supposed to come through, they're not there. They've they've loaned out some of their best youth products. The products who are there right now who could have an impact aren't making an impact. Mm. Stefan Fry, an impact player, he's not even on the field. So this is the Seattle Sounders that we now know today. But don't confuse it with the Seattle Sounders of yesterday.
1: Okay, so Seattle Sounders out of the Leagues Cup at the group phase, but Herc, they were not the only ones. In fact, some, some big teams from Major League Soccer will not be playing in the knockout rounds uh, of this tournament. For the bad, we picked out, though, Austin FC, who have, oh, how do I describe this? An absolutely abysmal record in knockout competitions, right? Not just Leagues Cup, because we saw it in CONCACAF Champions League against Violette of Haiti, uh, and we've actually seen it in the Open Cup back-to-back years, but they lost 3-1 to Juarez on Saturday after losing 3-1 against Mazatlan eight days before that, and all of that took place at Q2 Stadium. Austin fans are
3: mad. To see these players not playing like we know how they can, it's very frustrating. Stuber, I love you, dog. I really f***ing do, but you fell asleep on that first one and not put us where
2: we're on f***ing thin ice. I don't really know what to say. Like, are we MLS good? What does that mean? Like, I mean... What am I going to tell my cousins who talk to me? Yes. I'm,
4: I'm
3: a first-generation gen- first American, Mexican American, whatever you want to say it. And I'm over here, like, trying to vamp for the MLS, and we do this We also lost to a Haitian team this season. I mean, like I was telling him, it's Violet 2 But it is what it is. You know, we move forward. We just
1: suck in cup games. And I don't know what it is about us, but we just don't show up for, uh, for cup games at all. The reality is that we're worse than the worst team in Mexico, okay? That's the
2: reality. It's over. It's done, bro. It's time to rebuild. We got a new sport in there right there it's time to get a new coach
1: man shout out to our friends at we are Austin TV just incredible incredible content there uh, after the the stunning defeat against oh Juarez all right so here you see some of the humiliating exits in knockout round competition knockout rounds of uh, various competitions for Austin FC hurt. How do we explain this? Okay? How do we explain this? Because Austin FC is decent when it comes to the MLS regular season.
2: They are decent when it comes to the MLS regular season. Um, they're just arrogant when it comes to when it comes to the cups. Uh, we saw it against Violet, alternate lineups. We saw it against San Antonio in the past in the Open Cup. We saw it again in the Open Cup. Uh, it's a very arrogant way of going about things. You're, this is a major league soccer team. You're not as deep as you would like to think. Yeah. You can't go about that way. Now, um, I will get to the injuries because a lot of this is injuries. But in this last game against Juarez, you should have been up 3-0, first 20, 25 minutes, and you lose the game 3-1. to It was that simple. Bad finishing. Now, let me get to the injuries because there are a lot of injuries, and this mm-hmm. is where... I will cut them some slack. You lost to the worst team, teams, in Mexico over the last years. Mazatlán, they've been terrible. Sure, they're doing better this season. Juárez, they've been terrible. Sure, they're doing better this season. But everybody would have said on and would have said one of these two teams. Not. It's a reality. Another cup competition, we are terrible. Now, to the injuries. Um, Whatever you may think of these players, they're starting players who were injured. Jossie Sardes.
1: Maxi mm-hmm. Urrutti, uh, Rigoni. Uh, Are we going to go through the Mazatlan and Juarez rosters and their injuries too?
2: What do you want me to Was this a Mazatlan segment or is it an Austin FC segment? Let me know. Sounds and like pro- we're
1: making excuses. It sounds like we're making excuses for a team that pretty much had everything handed to them. They had the there, best draw there, you could possibly there's that ask for. There's the arrogance I talk about. Home. There's the arrogance I talk
2: about. You can't assume because you're Austin that you're going to steamroll teams. There's the arrogance I was talking about right there on display. Uh, Drusi was playing as a nine and a half. He just came back from injury, played this game. Danny Pereira just came back, played this game. Who else? Alex Ring came on in the second half, played this game. By no means are they a, a good team where you think they're going to steamroll teams in any competition. They need their 11 to be a competitive team. And when they have their 11, they're a competitive team. But you can't have the arrogance that you just mm-hmm. displayed right here where uh-huh. they're going to steamroll uh-huh. Juarez, mm-hmm. okay, who invests a lot of money, and Mazatlán, whatever the case may be, they're still opponents, 11 players that you have to respect. When mm-hmm. you don't, you're going to lose.
1: Kurt, can we at least mention the manager here, the coach, Josh oh, absolutely. And, and, absolutely. And, and, is there is it possible for a guy to be a good manager? I actually think Josh Wolf is is gonna be a good coach. I think there's some record in MLS that suggests he's already that. Can you be a good coach who's just bad in knockout round games? Is that what we're seeing? Sure, I'll buy that. You can be bad in knockout round games.
2: If you watch this game against Suarez, and I just I think this is a lot of it's what's going on with them. Um, this shouldn't have been that difficult of a game. They had over 60% possession. And literally, mm-hmm. Seb, 25 minutes in, they should have been winning 3-0. You don't. You don't put the ball in the back of the net when you have to. And it comes right back down your throat. And when you chase the game, something that they are not very good at doing, it comes right back down your throat again. And I actually agree with that fan. The first goal, the Stuver goal, um, the free mm-hmm. kick. Bofo Salcedo, free kick, by the way, Mexican-American player. Trinkled in across the face of the goal and went into the back of the net. That doesn't go in. It's a different game. But you miss these chances. That's what's going to happen. I don't care who you play against.
1: You're three for Josh Wolf in charge of uh, Austin FC. So a young coach. But, uh, boy, that wasn't the only bad elimination for MLS. Seattle, LA Galaxy, Atlanta, Toronto. Maybe not the best teams, but some of the biggest spenders there with some of the biggest fan bases uh, going out of the tournament pretty early. That's ugly. And so is this. Let's go big, big picture for the Ugly Herc, shall we? We're going format. And there's a lot to pick at here, right? We could say Major League Soccer's overwhelming and total home field advantage. We could talk about the lopsided bracket. We could talk about some of the matchups, which have been just awful dreck. We could talk about some of the crowds, which have been embarrassing. Uh, where do you want to start on your list of complaints about Leagues Cup 2023?
2: I want to start with how insulting this is to the fans. I mean, the insult to their intelligence, where they wouldn't figure out that there is no draw, and that you fabricated a tournament like the Gold Cup is fabricated, where in the Gold Cup it's let's make it so the US mm-hmm. and Mexico meet in the final. We all win. You're making it so Liga MX and MLS meet in a final. And what you're doing is you're also doing it in a way where you're saying, look at these organic rivalries that we have that somehow have lined themselves up in the second round, in the round of 32, in the round of 16, uh, in the quarters, in the semis, these rivalries, and everything is congested on one side, and then we have Messi who, wow, look, now Messi's here. And (laughs) this side is very, very direct road to the final. Look at that Mm -hmm. side and how enticing that is for a rebuilt Inter-Miami. The way they straight look at the fan and say, you're not smart enough to realize what Mm -hmm. we're doing, to me is insulting, but it sells, and that's why they are doing it.
1: Yeah, so we're looking at Inter-Miami's side of the bracket. Here are the Liga Mequis teams that'll be there. Pachuca, Cruz Azul, Mazatlán, Atlas, Pumas, and Querétaro. The other side of the bracket, which is where you find LAFC and FC Cincinnati, two, two pretty solid MLS teams. You got León, Tigres, Rayados, America, and probably Toluca. We still got some games going on. We'll see how it all shakes out. But very clearly, the power of Liga MX is concentrated on one side of the bracket. And it does open things up for somebody from MLS uh, and quite possibly Inter-Miami to go through. I got to say, Herc, I think when we get to the knockout rounds of this tournament, we're going to have some really entertaining games. We're going to have some sure. great matchups. And you got a lot of money on the line for these teams to play for. But... The group phase of this, and they love to call it a World Cup-style tournament. For me, the group phase, these three-team groups, man, you get some awful games and you get some meaningless games. We got Club America Columbus playing tonight. Both are already through. Uh, DC United and Pumas played the other night. DC United didn't start their best players because they were already through. Now, maybe you could say, well, you should play for the first spot in the group. You should play for the second spot in the group but I don't think that really matters and it sh- certainly hasn't mattered mat- uh mattered excuse me to the managers you see that once they're through they're pretty much punting on that third grade third game and we have seen her some attendances that are just shocking the Mazatlan Juarez game which was played at Q2 yeah 958 people 950 no. 950- The only people that went to that game are the people who
2: work there. There are not 900 people working (laughs) at the stadium. Tijuana versus Querétaro, the same thing. same deal. Now, now, I understand there are more Major League Soccer teams than Mm -hmm. Liga MX teams, but you can do this in a much more organic and fair way. They have these brackets, the west side, you know, the southwest side, the east side, whatever. Like, if that matters to the Mexican club, you're still making uh, these teams, Mexican teams, go play in the Northeast. So just do it in a way where it's organic, there's a draw, and if it ends up being two MLS teams in the final or two Liga MX teams in the final, then so be it. Don't expect this to be like, wow, look at this. Chivas in America could play each other in a round yeah. of 16. Wow, yeah. look at this! Round of 32, it could have been, or it could be still. No, it can't be. It's 16 now. Uh, a a Clásico Regio, where it's Monterrey mm-hmm. versus Tigres. Wow, look at this! You know, it's 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 insulting to the intelligence of the fan. Just do it in an organic way, and if these games somehow get there, where they're rivalry games, or if somehow mm-hmm. over the years. You establish these rivalry games between an LAFC and a Leon, between a New England and a Pumas, then that's even better.
1: Worth noting, for the bad attendance games, there have been some good attendance Very good. games as well. My, Very my, good. my parents were at the DC United Pumas game. There's a lot of Pumas fans there. I just saw a tweet from uh, Paul Tenorio over the at The Athletic saying there's a huge line of cars outside of Chicago for the Chicago-Puebla game, so... I know. I know you got a lot of Puebla fans out there who love you, Herc. There you go.
2: Dude, they should have done Puebla, New York. I'm telling you. (laughs) Ooh.
1: All right. uh, So there we go. Our complaints about the League's Cup. It is opening up nicely for Lionel Messi. And this is actually the uh, first installment of a new segment here on Football Americas. Where is Messi? Going back to the uh, viral video from the World Cup. Here he is, Herc. Busy, busy over the weekend. Here he is shopping at the Adidas store. I guess the fans knew he was there. They found out, huh?
2: You you mean he was spending his hard-earned money on Adidas gear?
1: (laughs) You think they gave him some coupons or what?
2: (laughs) This sounds awfully planned out to me.
1: And here he is. uh, How about this select company, David Beckham, Sergio Busquets, Jorge Mas, all joining uh, Lionel Messi and their significant others for dinner at a Miami restaurant co-owned by Bad Bunny. Herc, your invitation got lost in the mail, or what? No,
2: no, no, we've been there.
1: Okay, oh, really? Okay. Uh, Gecko is the name of the uh, Japanese steakhouse. Uh, From Miami, let's shift our attention to Las Vegas, because we've got odds for who is going to win the League's Cup. Inter Miami, Herc, our favorites to win it all at plus 600 actually america is the next best favorite at plus a thousand so Miami's significant favorites to win it all her enter miami at plus 600 to win leagues cup are you playing or are you passing <laughs> i am passing nah boo. Ooh, listen um
2: don't drink the kool-aid okay at least not yet now let's say the signings all come together. What's being reported, you're gonna have Messi, Busquets, Jordi Alba, Diego Gomez, the Paraguayan, Facundo Farias, Tom- Tomas Aviles. That's a very good core. You're gonna to have to do some very good things. But you've seen this tournament, you saw in the Cruz Azul game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Messi is Messi, yes. But they should have lost that game like four to one, at least, at least. It's a very, very vulnerable team. And they only played Cruz Azul, struggling, and Atlanta. Uh, Wait till you face the big dogs, okay? Wait till you face on the Major League Soccer side, okay? Cincinnati, if you will, New England Revolution, okay? Philadelphia Union, LAFC. Now let's get to the big boys on the Mexican Mm -hmm. side. Los Regios, Monterrey, okay? Tigres, America, even a Chivas, you're going to struggle somewhat.
1: But Mm -hmm.
2: don't drink the Kool-Aid. There's no way,
4: Ah, there's no way it's a
2: 600. Right now, Messi or not, I, I don't care what it is, especially that they don't have these players that I'm talking about at the moment.
1: All right, get on the bandwagon, her. Get on the bandwagon. So they got Orlando in the next round, and then I think they got the winner of Dallas Mazatlan, right? So you're looking at a pretty and then decent you go path. New
2: England Tigres if they can make it to the final. I've done the math. I put out a okay. tweet like two weeks ago, I was like, hey, look at this. Look how convenient this road is to the final. I understand, Seb. I am telling you, when you face a more quality team that they will have to eventually, every round they get to, if they can beat Orlando, the next team in theory is going to be more difficult. Would you agree? I don't think they have the team for it.
1: Okay, so it's interesting that it's plus 600 now. Just a couple days ago, Herc, it was plus 900. So this this line is moving a lot. I'm not going to be the guy to bet against Messi. I am taking Inter-Miami at plus 600 to win the League's Cup. You talked about the bracket. It's set up perfectly for them.
2: But don't act like you don't know how betting works. It's not their odds to win. It's where the money is. It's where the people are betting. That influences the line.
1: Yeah, I know. But this transfer window, I think we're already seeing the the benefit of it. All the guys that you mentioned, plus Tata Martino, who's going to be coaching them up. uh, We know how successful he is at the MLS level. So I think they're going to be in good shape. By the way, Jordi Alba had his first training session with Inter Miami today. We know the impact Messi had. We know the impact Sergio Busquets has had. What kind of impact does Jordi Alba have at the MLS level? Well, listen,
2: do you recall when we had Morena Beltran Um, at the World Cup in Qatar, Mm -hmm. and we Mm -hmm. did did the pieces, we did the board, and we're talking about uh, Messi and his influence on Messi. I recall something very, very uh, definitive in our conversation with her. She was talking about the play that was catered to Messi at Barcelona with Jordi Alba. The switch to the (laughs) left-hand side of the field and Mm -hmm. the cutback from Jordi Alba to the center of the box and the Messi finish. There are very few players... That you think of when you think Messi and an assist like Jordi Alba. He knows him like the back of his hand. This is a yep. this is a teammate that they've played together. They're successful together. They always look for each other. He's still a quality player. Just because he's not playing at Barcelona doesn't mean he wouldn't be playing elsewhere in a quality league or a quality team. He chose Inter-Miami. As soon as he's up physically, this is going to be a very important yeah. piece for them. For Messi you talk, in general.
1: Yeah, you talk about those like associations around the field and that that kind of telepathic connection that they used to share, for sure. Jordi Alba going to have a major impact on Barcelona 2.0 down on South Beach. The real Barcelona will be available for you on the uh, ESPN, here on ESPN Plus, but also on the big channel on ESPN, Tuesday at 11 p.m. Eastern time. That's when Barcelona is taking on AC Milan, of course, the home of uh, Christian Pulisic, and now loading up on Americans, that's right. Eunice Musa, the latest to join the Rossoneri, the seven-time European champions. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day, but sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there.
3: Must be 21-plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details.
1: The 20-year-old midfielder will reunite with Christian Pulisic. Fabrizio Romano, there you see a reported transfer fee of 20 million euros. Headed to Valencia from Milan, Musa expected to sign a five-year deal and arrive in Milan on Wednesday. Herc, what expectation should we have for year one? Yunus Musa at AC Milan.
2: My expectation is that he plays. Now, can I just say something really quickly? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I'm not very fond of so many American elements in a club. We've seen this movie. We saw it at Leeds. Uh, I didn't like the idea then, and then Mm -hmm. the relegation happened, and the fallout with the American players, et cetera, et cetera. I don't like it now. Milan's a massive club, though. Mm -hmm. And, And Eunice, from all accounts from everything we've heard from Fabrizio Romano and people outside that camp, uh, was that he only wanted Milan. Mm-hmm. If they spend close to $20 million on a player, if Milan does, mm-hmm. it's for him to play. My worry is that if you look at the construction of this roster, Krunic is the other player in central midfield, like, they may expect Yunus Musa to play as a six. Yunus is hmm. not a six. Eunice Moussa is a very good player in the midfield that connects the game. He's not going to put up statistics in terms of goals and assists. He's not going to be an all in out ball winner, a defensive midfielder, if you will. He can be that piston, that connection, going back and forth, a very, very important and very good player. But my worry is that he will ask him to mm-hmm. play as a sixth and that won't be Eunice. And at a club like Milan, if they spend $20 million on you, you're not a long-term project, regardless that he's Hmm. only 20 years old, okay? They expect you to come perform. They expect a player with a World Cup pedigree, like he has, a player that's played uh, so many games in a top three league in the world, like Spain, to come out and perform. That is my worry for Eunice. but the expectation on him at Milan is to play.
1: Okay, you say to play, right? We've talked about Christian Pulisic making the move to AC Milan. I think we do feel like he's probably going to start, but even that's not a guarantee. And look at a player like Serginho Dest, right? Great World Cup with the United States. Couldn't get, forget about starting, couldn't get on the bench for AC Milan. So we know that the quality of AC Milan is such that it's not easy even to get on the bench, let alone break into that starting lineup. Park. And that, for me, is the worry with Yunus Musa. I don't doubt that he's going to play. I do doubt that he's going to start. Certainly that he's going to be a full-time starter or even a majority starter do you think he's going to be a majority starter this season year one at 20 years old for AC Milan? I do because of the price tag and that's the one thing mm. this isn't a Premier League team you know but you so- know guys don't play because of the price tag, right
2: No I know that guys do play because of the price tag and they fail because of the price tag because you have to live up to that price tag that's the that's the uh, that's the issue with these teams you're not going to a Premier League club where it's just like well That didn't work out. On to the next. You're going to a team in Serie A that has a very rich history, and they're very frugal with their money. They're very uh, smart with their investments. And they spend money on you like that. It's not to, hey, let's hope he pans out in two to three years. No, let's bring him into play. He can be an effective player, a now player for us. That's my worry. But that's also my expectation because of the price tag is that he will play. My worry is where he plays.
1: Yeah. I just wonder if there was a middle ground, right? Somewhere between Valencia and Milan where he could have for sure, for sure found playing time. Speaking of a guy who is looking for playing time, Julian Araujo, that's right. He's set to stay in La Liga, but he's going to join Las Palmas on loan from Barcelona. The ex-LA Galaxy defender and current Mexico international is 21 years old. He's been training with Barca's first team since February. Of course, uh, Las Palmas was promoted, last season from the second division. Herc,
2: is this the right move for Julian Araujo? Absolutely. Uh, Listen, he'll be 22 in August, and what he needs to do is play. He was criticized in this Gold Cup for the Mexican national team. Um, I'd say a lot of that was unwarranted, but he's still a player that needs more playing time, especially at the international level. He needs to speed up his play a a little bit more. And being in a place like Barcelona, uh, listen... They're on a U.S. tour right now. He wasn't even part of that U.S. tour, which is crazy, but it also shows you like how far out of their plans he was. So now you need to play, because it's alone. Las Palmas would be alone, but you need to go somewhere that not, you not only play, but you need play a specific brand. And in Las Palmas, with the, with the excuse me, uh, head coach uh, Garcia Pimienta, who was a mm-hmm. long-serving La Masia youth, na- or youth coach uh, with Barcelona B, he'll get that Barca brand in there, he'll get that positional play, that possession-based football there. So you can play at a high level, which is La Liga. You can play a brand that'll be instrumental if you Mm -hmm. ever go back to Barcelona. It's a win-win. What he has to do right now is play. If he ever wants to get back to Barcelona, this is one of the most perfect situations you could think of.
1: Yeah, I I love the point you make about the manager being a Barcelona B guy, because I also think you assume that there's been communication. Right? There's been a talk, what we want from this player, what we expect, and also hopefully from the Las Palmas side, they value him. They're going to give him an opportunity. The other option, Herc, the other link was Feyenoord. And I assume Las Palmas probably going to be in a relegation scrap, right? That could be tough for a young player. Is this a better fit than Feyenoord, where he might have been playing for a trophy at a lower level?
2: I do. I think it's a better fit just because of the loan and really? the profile of team. Yeah, because it's the profile of team. Like everything I, 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 I've seen of this team that I've researched on this coach, it, it's the Barcelona brand, the positional play, the possession. Like he's going to get that ingrained every single mm. day he's there, and then he goes back. If you're at Feyenoord, like it, it's it's a good brand of football. Yes, it is, but it's a lower level than La Liga, and it's also not your brand of football. It's also not mm. your club. It's also a team that expects you to be there now, to to win now. And the relationship there would have been Dennis Declose, who knows um, Julian Araujo from his time as a general manager with the LA Galaxy. It wouldn't have been Barcelona that we want you back.
1: All right, so Julian Araujo then uh, set to stay in La Liga with Las Palmas. Of course, uh, he was coming off the Gold Cup. Also coming off the Gold Cup, Matt Turner, who's been linked with a move to Nottingham Forest from Arsenal. The 29-year-old made just seven appearances last season across Europa League and the FA Cup. Uh, Of course, uh, Aaron Ramsdale locked in as the number one at Arsenal. What do you think, Herc? Should Turner stick it out or head to Nottingham Forest? Head to Forest, man. Listen, Forest is a massive club. They're,
2: they're a very famous club mm-hmm. uh, in the U.K., <laughs> European champions twice. Um, it, it, it's a team that last season in the Premier League, where Keylor Navas was, another CONCACAF player, uh, were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. So he's going to be very active if you assume they'll have the same type of output, mm-hmm. right? He'll have a lot of work. But you said it. He's 29 years old. Aaron Ramsell, he's 25 years old. He's not going right. anywhere. The games that you would have gotten would be cup games. I mean, I mean, you're not gonna get any Champions League games. I don't assume that. So maybe a random Premier League game here or there. And the producer saying just an injury away, yeah. but he's been just an injury away since he got there. And he was yeah. only playing the Europa League game. So <laughs> the, the thing is right now at 29 years of age, if I'm Matt Turner, I don't want to leave the door open on a job that I've made mine. And I'm talking about the U.S. Men's National Team. Because we've been down this road before. That's how Zach Steffen lost this job. He opened the door to Matt Turner. Matt Turner slung it open, kicked it open, and left it open. He doesn't want to do the same with... Zach Turner, with Ethan Horvat with Gaga Slonina and a potential loan to wherever he goes, he doesn't want to do the same thing. At 29 years of age, he needs to play. And if he feels that Nottingham Forest is that, it's still Premier League level, a team that uh, has a notoriety, and that he'll get plenty of work in.
1: Yeah. And I I don't know next season that he would be one injury away from taking over. It looks like Arsenal are linked to the Brentford goalie, David Raya, Spanish international. They're bringing him in to compete with Ramsey. So if they're bringing in somebody else to compete for the number one job, I think it tells you what Arsenal, at the end of the day, think of Matt Turner. Herc, is there a case to be made, though, that maybe a move away from England would be better? Like, if the only candidates in the Premier League are... Relegation fight, fighting teams, could he maybe make a move to the continent? Play for a team like, I'm just thinking of the Brendan Aronson move to Union Berlin, where he makes a move to the continent and now has Champions League football as a result. I might prefer to see Matt Turner there as opposed to just getting shelled in a relegation dogfight.
2: Well, I don't know if he'll get shelled. You know, I think that's just the Premier League. And you saw it last season. Uh, if you were like 12th on, the difference mm-hmm. between 12th and 20th was... Very slim. I mean, you weren't safe. Chelsea at one point was in relegation trouble, if you recall. So I don't know about shelled. I think non Imports is, is a good team. The Premier League is the best league in the world. And if you could stay in the best league in the world and face the best competition in the world uh, week in, week out, that made Trump a random Champions League game here or there.
1: And what does it say that they're going to might pick him, might pick him to be the guy to replace Kaylor Navas? Okay, let's get back to Barcelona. Because they have another right back that we're interested in, Sergio Dest, who made his second straight appearance for Barcelona this preseason, Saturday in El Clásico against Real Madrid in Arlington, Texas. Barcelona won the game 3-0. Uh, that was about the only good news for Dest. He was subbed on in the second half, played the last 28 minutes. According to producer Beto, who's a Barcelona fan, he was, quote, bad, 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 bad. In his matchup against Vinicius Junior, after the game, reports surfacing that Barcelona are considering a buyout of Dest if they can't find a team to take the American. Herc, what do you say? Is this performance the last straw for Serginho Dest at Barcelona?
2: No, it's not the last straw. And this performance only proves one thing, that it will be Ronald Araujo playing as a right back when Vinicius Jr. steps on the field (laughs) against Barcelona again, because he's the only one that's been able to somewhat mark Mm -hmm. him. Uh, Only one game has uh, Vinicius Jr. had somewhat some uh, success against Ronald Araujo in an official game. Um, This wasn't the game. Uh, It was probably against Arsenal the game before that Serginio Dest uh, probably lost out that confidence to Xabi. Uh, That's a reality. Now, the reason we are hearing about this mutual buyout of the contract mm-hmm. is because that's the thing that's holding up Sergio des from playing a lot of places. It's that sell price and that salary. That's a reality. He was a Ronald Koeman guy. Highly touted comes in. They spent over $20 million on him as a right back. When there were teams like uh, Bayern Munich, there were teams like uh, Juventus PSG after him. It was Barcelona where he ended up playing. And when things didn't go well at Barcelona, these teams were still hovering around. And it was a lone move to Milan and it didn't work. But right now, A lot of what's scaring teams off happens to be the financials, so that could be the best-case scenario for both. But in terms of what you're asking, it wasn't this game. Vinicius Jr. is one of the best 1v1 players in the world. You didn't need Vinicius Jr. skinning Serginho Dest in 14 minutes constantly to tell you that he wasn't the guy to mark Vinicius Jr. or or that he's not a good player or or anything else like that. It's Vinicius Jr. He's just not a Barcelona player right now, and I think there are a few things more... There are a few things as evident in the world that I've mm-hmm. seen as Sergio Des needs to leave.
1: Yeah. So I was at this game. I was fortunate enough to be there. Just an incredible atmosphere. And I was actually between the benches. So obviously, I'm keeping an eye on everybody. But when Des checks into the game, and even in the pre-match warm-up, I had a specific eye on him. And then when he went into the game, I really watched Xavi and the technical staff. And it's, it's not the play that we showed there where he's backpedaling and Vinicius Jr. Uh, almost scores, gets him on skates in the penalty area. There was a play... Maybe five minutes after Des got in on the near sideline, right in front of me, where he gets kind of drawn up, trying to trying to make a play on the ball. The ball gets played in behind, and I saw that frustrated spin from Xavi, where he just kind of spun back towards the bench, and some of his assistants seemed to share in that frustration. So um, I don't know that that moment is what cost Serginho Des, but it was definitely a visible sign of the frustration that Xavi and the staff at Barcelona have when it comes uh, to Serginho to Sergio Des. Um, I'm looking at the list here, Herc, because when I was watching Desk, it reminded me of watching Weston McKinney for Juventus, and it just seems like a guy who's out of place. And I asked Casey Keller this because there's a long list of guys who need a move here. Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Balogun still potentially looking for his home, Serginio Des, Matt Turner. Who for you is the most – who are you most urgent to find a home for?
2: Who am I most urgent to find a home mm-hmm. for? Repeat the list you just gave me. I had on the tip of my tongue.
1: Adams, McKinney, Balligan, Desk, Adams, Turner. Adams. Five, five starters It's Tyler there. Adams.
2: Uh, Tyler Adams is the really? one yeah, that I'm most desperate for him to find. And then there's there seems to be a relegation release clause in his contract, yeah. and you still can't get something going. This is the captain of the U.S. men's national team, a clear standout at the World Cup. He was the darling of everybody in that World Cup, the youngest captain at the World Cup, a player who just has so much upside, and yet here we are. Today, he's a championship player. Today, he's playing for Leeds in the championship. This, to me, is the biggest waste of talent uh, in the US Men's National Team pool, his talent being in the championship level. Um, He needs to go somewhere and go somewhere fast.
1: All right, the transfer window in England does close September 1st, so time there to to find a home for Tyler Adams. One player who has a home is Santiago Jimenez. Although, there's interest from a lot of places. One of those places, Herc, is Benfica, who Santiago Jimenez scored against in a preseason friendly. How about that? Look <laughs> at Otamendi Mandy with his hand up. Gotta chase him, my man. Never getting there. That's the thing. Santi's got size, but he's got speed too. Santi scoring with the national team, scoring at club. Let's hear from him
5: after the game. Are you uh, fit? Uh, did you have enough rest after the Gold Cup? It was only one week of holiday. Yeah, yeah, but uh, one week is enough. I love to play football, so I don't need more. <laughs> yeah, you're completely ready for uh, for this season? Yeah, completely ready. Yeah. Um, how was it, the summer for you, with, with the adventure uh, at the Gold Cup? I can, I can imagine it was quite intense. Yeah, it was a, a nice adventure uh, in the national team. It was my first tournament, like official, and I enjoyed it a lot. I could score the the final goal, and uh, I was very happy for that. Then I, I rest my mind like a week, like you said, and then I come back. Yeah, it might, mu- I can imagine it must be so so great to score the deciding goal for your country. Yeah, of course, it was one of the best feelings ever I had. Yeah, uh, and now you, you come back in Rotterdam. Uh, what are your objectives uh, this season? Yeah, I have a lot of obje- objectives. The first one, of course, is to defend the title, the prize, because. Uh, we deserve this team uh, it's a good team we have a great player so we need to defend the, the prize. yeah and you, uh, you have only one have, have had only one week of rest but you're immediately you're fit we saw it, uh, the goal in the goal you scored. Yeah yeah well I, I don't stop a lot so that's why I'm I'm ready to play. Uh, I think it was a, a nice goal and and it was nice to, to be here with all the fans. Yeah. I wanted to ask if you can promise that you will stay this season. I cannot promise because you know know what uh, could happen in football, Uh, but uh, my mind is here and uh, I want to stay.
1: All right, speaking of uh, Mexicans potentially on the move, maybe I should say Mexican-Americans on the move. Jorge Rubalcaba Pumas uh, looks set to jump to Standard Liege of the Belgian League. Rubalcaba is 22 years old, he's played for Mexico's under-21s, he is eligible for both Mexico and the United States, Herc.
2: Colton High School, Cal State San Bernardino, Division II soccer, and you're gonna love this one. A product of the UPSL. This man's been everywhere in American football. Now, Sander Liege.
1: Yeah, had a great game against uh, DC United in the Leagues Cup, so potential future moves for Jorge Rubalcaba of Pumas, a 22-year-old attacker. Maybe we will get another young, talented Mexican abroad. Plenty of young talented Americans abroad, among them, Rokas Fukstas, who is making himself a regular in the run-it-back segment, Herc. His second goal of the season here for Hajduk Split in the Croatian top flight.
2: Yeah, more importantly, second game winner for the 18-year-old. Listen, I know it's Hajduk Split, but still, this is a league that exports. This is a player that's 18 years old and American product scoring goals abroad.
1: Shout out to uh, Josh Sargent as well, who scored in a preseason friendly for Norwich against Olympiacos. Got to get them all in. Speaking of getting them all in, Real Madrid and Juventus. Wednesday, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Time, right here on ESPN+. Don't miss it as our summer of soccer continues.
3: This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple.
1: one game to go in group play for the u.s women's national team as they get set to take on portugal in the group e finale in just a few hours the usa can punch a ticket to the knockout rounds with a win or a draw a win could mean first place a draw probably means second and that could have ramifications down the road a loss and the u.s are likely out of the tournament so the pressure is on let's hear from the manager vladko anonofsky but first megan rapino with alexis nunez
0: all right, Megan, we've been talking about this new role that you obviously have, and I think you've seemed to embrace it so effortlessly, but I'm sure it's easier said than done. Uh, talk to me about the emotions surrounding it up and down, especially in the last game where you trust your teammates to get the job done, but you kind of sometimes want to take matters in your own hand, right? Yeah, I mean, everybody always wants to play. Um, obviously, if you're on the field, you never want to come off. If you're off the field, you always you always want to get on. So I think every player has to have that vibe. Um, if you're fine sitting on the bench, then you know, you're know you probably not going to be here anyway so I think for us we know that 11 players start and you have x amount of subs and um, if you're one of those subs you get on if not then it's your job to continue to pour into the team and I think for us on the bench like we thought that they were going to score every every chance we had every time a game you know the ball came to someone's feet we were thinking like this was it so the belief is there within the whole team it's not about like oh this person can do it or this person can't do it like at the end of the day it's all 23 of us like we're the only ones that get medals or not so team's got to stay together and vibes are good and we just want to make sure that um you know our our heads are in the right place because we got a big match coming up it will absolutely not be a walk in the park. I, you know, they're uh, they great team. They're very well coached. They're disciplined, organized, and uh, it, it will not be easy. For uh, for that same matter, uh, we are so focused on this game uh, and make make sure that we get a favorable result. For for us, the most important thing, uh, obviously, is getting in the knockout stage first and foremost, and uh, that's our main focus right now. We don't want to take the focus away. Uh, we don't want to. Uh, we don't want to look two, three, four steps forward. It's the first step. Uh, let's make sure that uh, that uh, we we we, uh, we get in the ne- in the next stage. Uh, uh, because if we start thinking uh, too far ahead, uh, our, our chance may never never come. All right, so here's a look at the Group E standings heading
1: into match day three, Vietnam, the only team eliminated. It could come down to gold difference if both the United States and Netherlands win tomorrow. For more, let's welcome in a guest from the future, literally, Jeff (laughs) Carlisle, who's covering the U.S. women's national team in New Zealand. You can read his fine work over at ESPN.com. Jeff, great to have you with us here on Football Americas. Let's start with the mood, because as we mentioned there, the United States could win the group or could go home in the next few hours. So, what's the vibe around the team?
4: Well, I, I think there's a little bit of anxiety. Um, you know, obviously this is a, a high-stakes game, and uh, it's it's one that that they have to win. Uh, you know, well, a draw will do fine, but really they want to finish top of the group, and I'm sure we'll get to that in a second. But you know, there is a little bit of nervousness, and uh, I, th- I think that's normal. I mean. You know, you can't really hide from from the pressure that's surrounding this game. Um, but and pressure is something that the U.S. Women's National Team has has embraced in the past and it, it has met the moment in the past. Um, and so I think you know you've got veterans like Megan Rapinoe, Julie Ertz, kind of passing that knowledge down to the younger players. And so uh, you know, again, I think there's some nervousness, but I also think this team is ready to to take care of business and and do what they can to finish top of the group and and advance in this tournament.
2: Jeff, you know, a big talking point versus the Netherlands was the lack of subs used. Only one sub, it was Rose Lavelle early in the second half. If I'm a player on that bench and only one sub is used and we only take a point from that and we thought we could win, I, I would be pretty upset. Players talk. Are players talking, what's the mood amongst the players uh, with only one sub being used against the Netherlands?
4: Uh, I I think some players, you know, the players that you talked about that are on the bench are are antsy to get on the field. I mean, they they know what they can do. They're confident in their abilities. And uh, I think there is uh, a little bit of questioning of of, of why Vlako Andonovsky didn't use his sub. Now, he's explained himself. He said, well, I like the rhythm of the team you know we were creating a ton of chances we had netherlands under pressure but uh you know i think there is a desire and a need almost for these players to get on the field and prove uh that they can do what they can do so um you know there there's a lot of belief you know in terms of the players on the bench and that they can can contribute and so uh you know i don't think that's changed and i think they're going to be eager to try to get on the field in this game and and really push this team through to the knockout rounds.
1: Jeff, there's a lot of focus on the subs and rightfully so, but we've seen the same starting 11 now in back-to-back games for the U.S. women's national team. I think we'd all agree it maybe hasn't looked the best. So what do you think the likelihood that we get some changes in the 11 for this game against Portugal from Vladko Anonovsky? And like, what are those options? What could he do to try and jolt this U.S. attack to life?
4: Well, I think there will be at least one change, and that's Rose Lavelle going into the starting lineup for Savannah Dibello. I mean, Lavelle has come into both games as a substitute, and each time, the the uptick in in tempo, in momentum, uh, has been there. You know, everyone knows what a class player Rose Lavelle is, and and how creative she is, and um, you know, obviously she's she's a person who puts in a a shift as well. So, I mean, she's going to bring a lot of energy. She's going to be very active, you know, listening to block Dwayne Danofsky's comments yesterday. Um, it seems like, you know, she's building up her minutes. And so, you know, he, he spoke of you know her being able to contribute more than she did in the previous two games. So that tells me that she's going to start, uh, but I don't think she's going to go the full 90 minutes. Again, I think the U.S. is trying to, to build her up slowly and make sure that she lasts the entire tournament and not just a game or two. Um, I think another change that could come would be on the front line. I mean, certainly everyone was talking about how, why Lynn Williams didn't get into the game. You know, she seemed tailor-made for that, that Netherlands match. Uh, you know, I think she could come in uh, for Trinity Rodman. Um, and we'll see if a more classic kind of crossing presence like Megan Rapinoe gets on the field as well. Um, you know, one thing that I've noticed about the front line is that they, they all want to drive at goal. You know, whether it's Sophia Smith, Trinity Rodman, Alex Morgan, obviously. Um, And there's no one really staying wide and trying to deliver that service from out wide. So, you know, that's why I think Megan Rapinoe might get into this game to kind of just give the opponent a little bit different look rather than everybody just kind of driving straight at goal. So, uh, you know, I think those are the the two changes, you know, obviously Lavelle coming in and then one of the forwards, you know, in terms of the defense uh, and the rest of the midfield. I think Vlako Andonovsky is going to keep things as they are. I mean, defensively, the U.S. has actually played pretty well, I think, uh, you know, in terms of limiting shots, limiting chances. Um, There's been some debate about whether Julie Ertz should slide into midfield at the expense of Andy Sullivan. But I think Andonovsky has made it pretty clear that that trio of Naomi Gurma, Ertz, and Sullivan kind of anchoring the middle of of that defense is something that he values and, and something that he thinks gives the U.S. the best chance to win. So... I don't expect any changes there. I think any changes that come will be further upfield. All right,
2: this is a must win game for the U.S. and to get out of the group. And actually, they got to win pretty big to guarantee they finish first place in the group. How important is finishing first place versus second place to determine their future here?
4: Well, if they finish second, then they're likely to be facing Sweden, who are ranked third in the world. And it looks really good in this tournament so far. I mean, absolutely blew out Italy. Um, you know that's that's really a round of 16 matchup that you would want to avoid and if they finish first then they're more likely to play a team like Italy so I mean Italy will pose some challenges I'm sure I mean every team in the knockout stage does but you know if you if you have a preference you, you'd rather much you'd rather face a team like Sweden later in the tournament so I you know I think that's that's the real difference there um, just a much easier round of 16 game than they, you know, if they finish first as opposed to finishing second. So, I mean, once you get to the quarterfinal stage, I think all the games get tough. I think they'd be looking at probably a matchup with Japan, um, and then from there, again, the, the games just get really difficult. And uh, you know, it's it's the matchups are going to be much more tightly contested. So, uh, but again, you know, it, this is great. it might only be seven games. That might not seem like a lot on paper, but. You know, this is a bit of a marathon and, you know, you do want to like, you know, conserve your resources when you can. And so I think a game against Italy would allow, would not only be an easier game, but again, I think Baku Andodoski could dig into his bench a little bit more and spread out the uh, the playing time a little bit. So all of those things I think are advantages, you know, if the U.S. can finish first in the group.
1: Plus, there's a history against Sweden, and it's not exactly uplifting, right? (laughs) Of course, at the uh, 2016 Olympics, it's the team that knocks the U.S. out uh, in the quarterfinals. And then at the last Olympics in the group phase, uh, Sweden really put up a number against the Americans. Jeff, I hate to be the guy, but we have to be prepared here for worst-case scenario. If the U.S. does lose, it's very likely that this tournament is over for the two-time defending champions. What do you think the fallout of that would be uh, as much for the program as specifically for the manager, Vladko Andonovsky?
4: Well, I think Vladko Andonovsky would be gone. I mean, this is a program with incredibly high standards. Um, You are expected to win. Um, And in World Cups, you know, the worst that the U.S. has ever done is reach the semifinals. And then there was one time in the Olympics, the game that you referred to against Sweden, where they got bounced in the quarterfinals. But the U.S. always gets beyond the group stage. And so uh, if that were to not happen this time around, there would be a lot of repercussions, starting with the coaching staff. I mean, I just don't see how Andonovsky could survive not getting out of the group. Um, obviously there would be repercussions for players as well. Um, you know, some of the veterans, I mean, Re- Megan Rapinoe has already said that this is going to be her last world cup. So certainly there would be some fallout from that, but, um, that those kinds of decisions and those kinds of after effects, you know, take a little bit more time to, to be apparent. Um, I, I think the most immediate consequence would be Andonovski being out of a job. All right, there he is, Jeff
1: Carlisle. Great to have you with us here on Football americas Américas. We'll read your work over at ESPN.com. Safe travels back from New Zealand. Uh, Great coverage on the Women's World Cup. There he is, Jeff Carlisle. Uh, Always a great guest here on the show. We'll have plenty more on the Women's World Cup on another ESPN FC Women's World Cup special. This one, Thursday, 6 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN2. We will, of course, be talking about the U.S. and Portugal. We'll also be talking about Canada and their shock elimination from the tournament.
0: Okay, Herc, before we get out of here, time
1: for our parting shot. We got some late breaking news, courtesy of our friends at The Athletic. Lucas Celarayan is reportedly set to move to Saudi club Al-Fateh from the Columbus crew. What do you think, good business or bad business for Columbus to sell Celarayan mid-season? Well, hours before their game against Club
2: América, arguably their uh, most difficult rival of the season, and a tournament that we heard was of the utmost mm-hmm. important to, to mm-hmm. Major League Soccer and its clubs, so the timing is I- indeed a little off. But you're a few days from the transfer window closing, and. Unless we see the financials here, I can't give you a good business, bad business, because if they gave him stupid money, if they give Columbus Cruz just stupid money Mm -hmm. for the transfer and give Lucas Alarayan a good amount of money as well, it's hard to argue that it's not the right move because from my understanding, it opens up more U22 initiative slots that can open up more DP slots for him as well, et cetera, et cetera, then great business. Mm -hmm. But if what you're doing is just business and just losing the player, and then what does that say about your ambition to win? We had this discussion with, we, we had this discussion of FC Cincinnati and Brandon Vasquez, right? They weren't, mm-hmm. they weren't willing, their rivals, by the way, Columbus's rivals weren't willing to part with a player who wasn't having a great season for them, but they thought was an important player. And here you see the Columbus crew, without knowing the financials, again, parting mm-hmm. with their best player in middle of a two tournament run.
1: I hate it. I hate it for Columbus crew fans, right? First of all, you don't have any time to replace this guy. I think it's August 2nd that the secondary transfer window closes in MLS. So there's a roster freeze in September. But in terms of like elite talent, you better get it done now. We only have about 48 hours till this closes. On top of that, no matter what the money is, hurt. no matter what the money is, I know there's a lot of money in Saudi Arabia. We have to remember the people who own MLS club teams are not poor. The Haslam family has almost a five billion projected wealth. They could afford to keep this guy if they wanted to. And if I'm a crew fan, it seems like the other roster moves that they're making, like we're getting ready to do something. They just signed a European defender. They just brought in Julian Gressel. The team is sixth place right now in the Eastern Conference. They're only a few points out of the top four. This team could make a run at something this season. So to take away the best player for me, if I'm a fan, I mean, it's money over sporting. And I hate that as a Columbus Crew fan, especially with everything that they've been through. Don't you agree?
2: I got to see the financials. That's the only way that this makes sense to but,
1: me. What, 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 the Haslams are not poor! $4.8 estimated yeah, but well. Seb,
2: but, Seb, it doesn't mean you can use that money in Major League Soccer. Uh, you have to have money go out for it to come in. You can't just say that I have money, therefore I have money. That's not how Major League Soccer works. So unless we know the financials, It could be a bit of good business for a player that, if I'm trying to think rationally, maybe wanted more years, maybe wanted more money, and they weren't willing to, and this opportunity came about, and it was a win-win for everybody. But unless I know the financials, unless here we are, stupid money for him and to him, if that's not the case, then this is one of the stupidest moves that I've seen because you're in the middle of two tournaments. You're in the middle of the League's Cup. They literally played today and announced today, hours before they faced Club America. And then major league soccer War. by the way it's one thing to not win but it's another thing to see your biggest rival win it their biggest rival cincinnati right now is on pace to win it
1: just thinking like if i were a new york city fan her you see tati move on to spain you can feel okay about that even if you're fc cincinnati fan you see vasquez move on to the bundesliga you probably feel okay about that if you see your best player mid-season go to the saudi league I think that feels different from a Columbus Crew fan mm, perspective. They I, just do. Won. They I do. I like ago. You're not years seeing ago. a guy climb the they just ladder. Won two You're not years seeing ago. a guy climb the ladder. He was ladder.
2: MLS Cup MVP like two years ago. Mm. You're right.
1: He did bring him a trophy already. Maybe mm. they're content with that. All right. Reminder: Chelsea against Dortmund on Wednesday on ESPNU as well as ESPN Plus. Will we see Gio Reyna? I don't know. We thought we were going to see him last week in Los Angeles, but uh, that didn't work out. Not sure about it at all. Uh, But yeah, Chelsea Dortmund, available for you Wednesday, 8.25 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPNU and ESPN+. All right, that'll do it for this edition of Football Americas. Herc, I mean it from the bottom of my heart. It is wonderful, great, great, great to have you back. A special guest on Thursday, Chris Ewing of Caledonian Braves. A great story uh, out of Scottish football. Plenty more uh, on that on Thursday, plus full reaction to the United States women playing against Portugal uh, in the World Cup. We'll see if they, they get better through the group lose, phase Sam. and you into the knockout three-peat. rounds. Three-peat. You said I'll they be were bitter. going to 3 Pete. I'm nervous. Don't think I'm not. We will also be talking about Leagues Cup knockout rounds as well. Inter Miami and Lionel Messi taking on Orlando on Wednesday. He's Herc. I'm Seb. Thanks for watching. We'll see you, you. Thursday.